we put the car together for SEMA and then had to take the car back apart again. It was one of those kinds. Of yeah. Situations. So I mean, SEMA. All right. So before I get too far into this, it's worth noting we record these conversations virtually via Zoom and. On Zoom, there's some settings that if you record to the cloud, you get the Brady Bunch view with everybody's face. And if you record on your computer, which I did last night with Scotto, I end up getting just images of me. So the conversation with Scotto covered a lot of really cool stuff that I do not want to miss it. So we're going to run it anyway. Apologies to those who get the video feed. You're going to get a lot of imagery of me. Well, I mean, I got a... I don't know how long you have. I mean... I've got I've got probably an hour. So okay. I have a five o'clock, but I can push it off. It's just a it's just a phone call. So okay. I know we can go down like rabbit holes of vortex and yeah, other yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Or maybe we do that in the time. <laughs> Whatever. Dude, but, I've got the deepest of rabbit holes, so no worries. <laughs> well, let, let me go then with the stuff I gotta get done. So we're with a magazine, we we're doing a focus on old cars. Uh, I think I IM'd you around like SEMA where like we wanted to feature your cars. Yep. So I am trying to jam them at least into the spring issue, but your car's apart right now. Yeah. So so maybe we make it a little bit more about Brian, a little I'm partially about the car and we go, go more Wait, deep into the car later. Isn't the cutoff date like Monday for the spring issue? No, I can push back further. Our completion date for the car is March 15th. March 15th. That's when we're we're filming like around March 15th. So the car needs to be done by then. Got so it. that that's so figure the car will probably be done, you know, the first, at least like, like to a point where you can shoot it. Like then we put the car together for SEMA and then had to take the car back apart again. It was one of those kinds. Of yeah. Things. So I mean, SEMA, right. They're not real yeah, cars. Like it, it had to be there and look kind of finished, but yeah, there was literally things that like I put in parts that like were just placeholders just to get me there. I'm still kind of in production that week, and then I gotta be uh, at my upload on the printer by the 21st. So like, if I can get the photos that week and Dennis can get them to me, okay. I don't see the car not being done by then because we've got. Like at first it was just me working on it. And now right. like people are like, okay, you you're past deadline. So like now, like I got all the guys in the shop helping. So it's actually going to get done. <laughs> are you changing it much from SEMA? Um, it's really just doing everything nicer. So yeah. like, yeah, like doing things like building a pedal box instead of using the factory pedal box, because the factory pedal box made sense until I put the seat on the ground and the pedals right. sit like, at a 45 degree angle and I have to like lift my feet up to get on them. You know, it's just things like that when you're done building a car, you're like, that's not right. You know, it's it's that type of stuff. And it's just all the, like making all the finishing touches really nice. And there's a big argument now as to whether or not it should be rear mount radiator. And if we should just do that now, but like, that's a big do that now moment. It's not like an easy thing. And it's like, okay, now you're talking about removing the rear glass and like building like air you know and i was like can we just make that v2 like just get to it later but the you know the guys in my shop like i'm a very pragmatic builder like okay this is what i'll do and they're like well while we're here we may as well just rip it all out and like you know like i had the stock audi steering column in there and they're like you have 315s up front like you can't have that you need like this race column instead not to complain but you know sometimes uh, you just want to get it done and get it on the road you know so. yeah well i'd imagine you're in this like you're in this unique space probably not a bad thing where like you've got these cars you want to build and then there are the expectations that go with them again uh or or the youtube channel or whatever that you can't roll in yeah, Suddenly. I mean, are we are, are we are we live now? Are we going? Is this part of the show? Should it I is. Take- well, it is, but I I could uh, I well one I can edit whatever, move stuff around. I, I just I didn't want to I didn't want to like give out all this good stuff and then be like, okay, now let's say the same thing again. Well, that's why I started recording right away because like if we actually get into cool stuff, I can move it in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's start the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So we're talking about your 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 Coupe Quattro uh and where would you you mentioned something to me that i'm curious about though like if you want to do or this thought talk of doing a rear mount uh uh 
uh, radiator, where like on the Urquatro, that would be under that spoiler, right? But where would you put that? Yeah, on so that? like, I mean, on you know, obviously the the Sport Quattro was sort of <laughs> built to do that, right? I mean, that <laughs> was kind of the way that it was constructed. Um, the on the Coupe Quattro, it suffers the same problem that you know other sort Hatchback. of you know that era cars dealt with, which was that the radiator actually doesn't sit in the front, right? It sits yeah. to the to the, the side of the of the engine because the engine's longitudinal, right? So it's it's it sits off to the side, and obviously you have a ton of heat there. Once you put a massive intercooler in front of it, now you're slowing down the flow that's coming into it. So all the guys who run really big horsepower cars, they put it all out back, right? And right. they usually will, you know, remove the rear glass and create like kind of a knack-a-duck scoop there or maybe one that comes in off the side window. And I, I quite frankly, I didn't want to go that route, but Soupy, who's like our lead fabricator and mechanic here, is just telling me like, you know, it's going to, the car is going to run hot. You're going to be struggling with this. We may as well just do it now. And I feel like my entire life has been living in the like, well, while we're here, you might as well do it now, which is why I have 23 cars and like none of them run. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you've got, you've got quite the collection of, uh, of, of random photos here. That photo that you have pulled up right now, I think I posted on, um, on Audi world in like 2005. Oh, no joke yeah cool. <laughs> this the, the couple of these are the ones we had for when we did that pete like the autobiography like the list of all the cars you had oh yeah, yeah, yeah a yeah, couple yeah. you gave me so like i just pulled from those and then we get down to like it built right yeah that was at your your club days but all right so walk me through you've had it a long time eight years <laughs> more uh, i bought it in 2004 <laughs> oh shit so so the background on this car was simple like i was a i was a volkswagen kid um grew up kind of like my first car ever was a volkswagen right i got a volkswagen uh mark three golf i got a 1995 and 1997 because i wanted a mark one but my parents didn't think it was safe so they they, so they were like we'll match every dollar you can save to you know to buy a better car than this mark one that i wanted at the time and because it has airbags you know the mark three had airbags so i bought it and then immediately put a momo steering wheel in defeating the whole purpose <laughs> of my parent safety thoughts yeah. around me buying a mark three makes subtle sense two yeah later. and you know and i then you know got heavily into kind of not just volkswagens but the whole scene around it i started a car club <laughs> called auto creek um you know it was like heavily you know into the volkswagen thing and i was driving down uh, I forget the name of the road, but a road in Long Island. And I drove past a body shop and there was a Coupe Quattro sitting in the back of the body shop. And I had never seen one before, right? You know, there's only 1,700 of them in right. so, You know, not a super popular car. I never saw one. And to me, it was like Audi's version of the Corrado. Yeah. Right? I now know it shares not a single part. But looking at it, I was like, well, this is an all-wheel drive Corrado that is, in my opinion, much better looking. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, I really, really, this is so cool. So for like the next year or so, I kind of just, you know, sat there kind of dreaming about it. And in, uh, in 2004, I got my first like real job working at Rides Magazine. And I figured I would treat myself. And I, you know, I went and spent $3,500 on a Coupe Quattro that, you know, ran and drove. And honestly, it was Lago Blue, which I didn't even like the color. I really wanted a pearl white one because I think really? pearl white, Pearl white Audis in that era were so yeah, cool, right? They were, yeah. So I really wanted that. And I always told myself I would eventually paint the car or do something. And now, like, you know, Lago Blue has kind of become my color. Now I own multiple Lago Blue cars. But um, it, was, uh, it was this car that I really wanted. I drove it for about six months, and then I started taking it apart. And uh, I finally got it back on the road uh, during the pandemic. <laughs> so just if you could do that math, 2004. 2020 was when uh was when i actually got it back on the road and that was just really kind of getting it back on the road like somewhat stock i had done a bunch of suspension stuff to it but it was pretty much a stock motor so like then, that's that one that's back on the road that was the day i got it back on the road yep so you know pretty simple s2 bumper b4 carbon hood yeah. um five lug s2 swap porsche brakes uh, kws like you know a bunch of different suspension parts from 034 and a bunch of other different people but um mance mounts for the guys who know and remember mance from back in the day but like a bunch of just like random 
kind of parts, but still yeah. no real performance goodies. It was still just a stock 160 horsepower in line five. <laughs> so, I mean, that was the problem with them, right? I remember, so kind of like you, I, I, Corrado and this car worked together. Yeah. Like when I was 16, I remember going to, or thereabouts, right? I'm in high school and I went to Auto House, which is like the Audi Lancaster now, right? We're near where I am in Pennsylvania. And they had a Corrado, uh, I can't remember, I think these were G60s at the time. It was before the VR was out. So it wasn't that fast either, right? Like yeah. that car. But I remember walking, like seeing that on one side of their showroom. And then, you know, there was this Coupe Quattro on the other, like walking past, like, oh, like maybe I can talk my parents someday into letting me into right. one of these. But then at some point I'll make my own money and trade it and get one of those. I didn't realize both of them were really slow. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, honestly, the Corrado's probably faster. The G60? <laughs> yeah, it might be. Probably. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the coupe was painfully slow. It was yeah. a painfully slow car, which is why it's kind of this, like, I think it's slightly unloved. Because even the S2 right. is, like, quick, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't blowing anyone's mind away on how fast it was, right? Yeah. But, you know, but now this one's going to be probably pretty fast. We're talking uh, on, like, low boost 800 horsepower, which seems like a very responsible number. <laughs> so so it's what is what is it exactly lce built it i think Did no you? no no. so mine so ken's car was built by lce that's, that's right or quattro on the coupe quattro um hank, the engine, hank iras built yeah so you know obviously hank's been building in line fives forever I've, I've known hank for almost 20 years now and um he was you know he's always been doing inline fives but now he's gotten really popular in the you know new daza engine right so yeah. the, the modern 07k architecture uh but he was really excited to build this because he's like man i haven't worked on a like an older engineering engine in so long that all this new tech has come out for him so we took my engine which you know is is a it's basically out of a 1991 20 valve 200 um okay so 3b is a 3b yeah so we took that engine but added all this new tech to it right so it's it's now drive-by wire right it has Mm. You know, it's obviously, you know, individual spark, things like that, but it also has like individual EGR and all these things so that we can monitor it the way you can monitor a new motor. It's running Cyvex. So the goal is, is like basically take everything that you would throw at a Daza engine minus the, you know, variable valve timing and, and a few other things and say, okay, can we take all that tech and make it speak on, you know, on the classic motor right and right. make that one work with the with the reason being that i could have put an 07k in there right, right. I mean, other people have done it but one i'd already saved a bunch of parts like i had like cool things like mtm manifolds and all of that and there's just a part of me that like i just wanted it to when you pop the hood i wanted it to look somewhat like that that era of when i first bought the car and wanted to build something for it right, yeah, right. um but in addition i i just hate to say it, but like the 3b just sounds better like there's just this, it's almost because the head design isn't as good as the new head design. So you're like forcing air through it and it makes it all whistle and pop in different ways. And I, you're getting that because it's actually not as efficient as the, as the new right. motor, but I'm okay to give up a little efficiency for all yeah. the Valley car sounds. So, yeah. So yeah, that was, so, and this has been a fun project for me because you've got people I've met in the Audi community, you know, 15 years ago um who have been involved all the way you know like to this day right like they've been rooting for me to finish this car so like guys like hank and like isam and you know dave peckerar like all these guys who like i've been in, you know i've known in the inline five community ha- have kind of come out of the woodwork to be like oh i got this part you need or you know hey you can borrow yeah. my radiator like everyone's like really helped out it's been a fun project because it's taken a bunch of us who to be quite honest, had lost touch with each other over the past, you know, 15 years as forums have disappeared and we, you know, didn't really spend as much time talking to each other. And now it's like, these guys are part of my everyday. I mean, so much so that I hired Dave. Dave now works at Hoonigan. Oh, really? (laughs) Funny how how that all came together over projects. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Well, all right. So what else is, uh, um, I gotta get through these cars. Otherwise I was going to ask you about Daz versus old. Okay. Okay. But um, I got my own issues. But but re- regarding this car, so what else have we? Or can I, first of all, can I get a build list? Yeah, I mean, I can I can run off the basics. But like, you okay. want me to just send you a build list? I mean, if you want to roll through it now, otherwise, if you can just send all it. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll roll. I'll roll through the highlights. So the highlights right. is 
uh, 3B engine uh, built by IROS. Um, it's going to be sort of in the area of 850 to 1100 horsepower. It'll rev to 8,000 uh, on standard, 8,500 on scramble, uh, running uh, a Zona rotor. Um, I forget which spec is in there right now, but it's a footprint turbo. So you can basically change out multiple turbos in mm. the same setup. So I can go from my 800 setup to like a 1200 setup by just swapping out the turbo and then changing the program. So um, speaking of the tune, uh, Cybex throughout. So not only is it Cybex uh, ECU, but I'm also running a Cybex PDM to control the entire chassis harness and, and everything in the vehicle. Uh, KW, actually KWST coilovers all around. Um, the transmission is uh, DriveSport uh, CA. Uh, it's a dog box and it's going to be attached to an MME, uh, paddle shift transmission. So mm. I kind of went all out on that one. <laughs> that was like, this is what's called project creep. Because yeah. when I originally built, wanted to build this car, I was like 350 horsepower is the goal with an 01 E6 speed. And now it's like full, you know, it's, it's full race car spec. And I, I, one of the goals for the car, when I lived back on the East coast, um, you know, I grew up in New York. When I lived in the East Coast, I really wanted to race the Pennsylvania Hill Climb Association and the New England Hill Climb Association because between those two different series, you can race like 12 or 15 races. And living in New York, it's like equidistant to both of them, right? Right. You know, nothing's more than like a five-hour tow away. So I really that was when I when I was working at Zero to 60 magazine, that was my goal was like build that car, go race hill climb with it. And I moved out here and I was like, well, what am I going to do with the car now? And when I finally built it, I was like, you know what? I'm still going to build it for that. So I think the goal, my parents still live back East. I think the goal will be to nice. ship the car home and go race. I won't be able to race the whole series, but even if I got to run three or four events, it gives me a reason to go home and, you know, and, and see my old folks. But it also gives me a reason to finish what the original goal was. It for, yeah, you know, right. For That's it. cool. So that's, that's going to be the, the goal for me is to go back, race some of those events, and then maybe at some point go run uh, Pikes Peak. So, you know, so because of that, I put a lot of extra safety into the car. So the car has, um, you know, basically an FIA spec cage, um, uh -huh. like rally car cage. So it's got like intrusion and, you know, double A bars, things like that. Um, you know, as you become a dad, safety becomes really big all of a sudden. Yeah, right. Like 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have cared as much, but you know, got, you got a reason to come home now. So, um, and, uh, you know, fire suppression, all that, all the good safety jazz, um, in there, the biggest race seats ever made Sparko made a new seat called the pilot that is so big that other guys at the company, cause I'm six foot eight, other guys at the company sit in it and the harness holes are at their ears. <laughs> like, it's like you ever see like the seat they have at like you know toy stores that like right. adults look like kids it's like yeah. that for race seats so okay. which was really difficult to get fit to fit in the coupe right because you know it's not really that big of a right. car uh, my buddy rob parsons uh he runs a company called cage kits and they so we 3d scanned the whole interior of the car and built like the tightest fitting roll cage like the roll cage is literally millimeters off of like most of the points just to be able to you know give my give me as much room in there as possible and create two inches of room between my helmet and the roof you know and all those kind of things um so what do yeah, you do on the passenger side if you got that uh, there'll be a there'll be a passenger seat as well yeah because it'll be set up like a rally car okay. so it's gonna be set up like a like a tarmac rally car right. so and you know exterior wise it's the prior kit um which you know i think like everyone, that was kind of a really weird kit, right? No one was expecting someone to build a kit for a car that no one has talked about in however long. Right. I mean, think, you know, the car's, the car's 30 years old and Pryor came out and built this kit that like set the internet on fire. Like Hypebeast.com was talking about this kit for the Coupe Quattro. And it was so weird to me because it just was like, I didn't even think anyone knew what my car was, let alone having a company like Pryor, which builds things like Lamborghini kits to come out and build, you know, this, this coupe quattro kit. So they built that and I worked with them. So, you know, that would, and then, you know, to kind of fill out the arches. And I, I love that kit because, you know, if you think about it, I, I bought a coupe quattro because I liked its look. I thought it looked like a crop. It was a more mature version of a crado. But at the time I was also shopping at Ur quattro right. and 
No, Eric watches were like 7,500 bucks back then. I mean, I know, think about crazy, that. right? And to me, 7,500 bucks, you know, at 20, you know, four, 25 years old was, was just way too much money to spend. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll get the coup quattro. I mean, I kind of regret that now in some ways, but, <laughs> but I always would admit that the, like the Ur quattro was a better looking car than the coup quattro. And especially like the sport quattro gave it this look. And I think that this kit really kind of elevated the coupe quattro to have a very different aesthetic, right? Like yeah. it, it really took the parts of the sport quattro that made the sport quattro stand out. And I know a lot of people think it's like overly done and garish and all that. Whatever. And that's great. I don't really care. I've got, yeah. I've got stock body cars too, but it, it, it's kind of fun. And to be honest, biggest problem with this car from a performance side is like the biggest tire you can fit on it is like a 235. So now it's got a 315, which is probably too much tire to be quite honest, but it was, um, you know, it, it's actually now a car that you can put a ton of power in and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it actually drives. Um, yeah. I'm still to figure, figure that one out, but it was a cool opportunity and the timing just kind of came at this perfect moment to be like, Oh, they just released this really cool kit and you're in the process of building your car. So, you know, why not? And, what's uh, cool is interesting. Like with a lot yeah, of body ahead. kit companies, it seems like, I mean, who knows how much a lot of these get made. Right. But the fact that it is, this is kind of a limited run makes the yep. exclusivity and, and the sport quattro nods throughout the design are interesting where, you know, it, 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 there've been, I think I've seen box flares before for these cars, but ne never, kind of this much of a nod towards it and it really works with the car funny though you mentioned you did a b4 hood swap earlier and like this totally and now goes back. back to, yeah i mean well it, this it, this really made the yeah. b3 look right you know right. and then i you know i put the round lights in as yeah. a nod to really a mix of my volkswagen days right my mark three had votex lights in it these are votex lights but also a nod to kind of rally cars and the rally car aesthetic of like, you know, just putting in round lights, you know, it was just like a big thing in the nineties. You saw it, you know, they did it on a bunch of different cars and um, yeah, but it was funny after all of this, I swapped back to a, to a, to a B3 front, which I think they did a really good job of I, making the B3 work that, well on here. Yeah. That was what was cool about it. Right. Like everybody had been updating cars to B4, right? Like that was just kind of, that was the cooler look. Yeah. And the fact that they kind of flipped the script on it and were like, no, no sport quattro, before doesn't work on that right yeah. like it i think it's cool personally but the, yeah well the other side well, of it I is think... it, it, it being a coupe quattro it's not as like if it were an ur quattro and it were in decent shape i'm saying this to the guy who put an rwb kit on a legit turbo so i'm, I'm not i know not, this not just so, a legit turbo but an andy al turbo but continue <laughs> <laughs> well there you go thanks for the flex that's good night everybody we're done um <laughs> no but like that that's the thing right like you i sweat a lot about if you have a nice car do you do you put it under the knife like that or like a very collectible or, or worthy yeah. car and so like, I, I legit, it's not even, it's, it's no Andal Turbo, but I've got like a 4,000 Quattro that like, I can't bring myself to mod because it's too nice. So I bought like a Rochi or a Quattro. That's kind of my like yeah. adjustment, right? Like go back to. No, I, I get that. Cause I don't think I would build, I think if I had an Air Quattro, I would just keep it an Air Quattro, right? Um, yeah. Where like the Coupe Quattro, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a very loved car. I mean, there's one for sale right now down the block for me for three grand, less yeah. than I bought it for in 2004, right? Like it's not right. a car that went up in value while the rest of them did. It, it And I think it's interesting because this car like caught the eye of a lot of people who were never even aware that this car existed, right? And, right. you know, I always would feel bad because people would talk about Coupe Quattro's and like I would get tagged and post about it. And it was before I built it like this. And there are guys who have built some beautiful coupe quattros in America. And like yeah. mine was like barely together. But like I became the person because of YouTube that everyone knew as the guy with the coupe quattro, right? Like, right. oh, that's, that's Scotto, right? And I'm like, right. I don't deserve this. There's guys who have been building these cars forever and have had totally. cool turbo ones in the US for you know forever i mean guys like ali goulet have had them since you know i was didn't even you know have an audi yet right and there's a bunch of really cool stuff out there that you know the guys have been building obviously oh three oh three four and so on and so on and like i think that you know but when this car went through this transformation it really got people to go oh man that's a super cool car like i never saw it like that and there were even guys here at hoonigan like hurt 
who was like, man, I always thought that car was dumb, but now I think it's really cool. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like Thanks. you get that. And I think it's cool. Yeah, I get it to the, to the purest. I should have kept it as it was, but it's kind of cool to, to see this, what it is. And let's be honest, you know, was it, what is it really worth kind of thing? But right. at the same time, I cut the fenders off of my 911. They weren't selling for what they're selling for now. Well, so yeah, I, don't know, I guess that's the I question. I don't know right? if I would do it again. You yeah, know, I don't know how to do it again. Age and time. I, I've got a 1975 Swallowtail, and I'm yeah, struggling even just doing a motor swap in it. Like, it's right. got a 1.5 carb, and it runs. I got it to finally run really good. I've been driving it the past couple of days, and I'm like, I want to put a 16 valve in it, which is like a good, it's obviously not period correct because they didn't exist in 75 it's period correct for my era of volkswagen tuning like the early 90s and early 2000s i mean mid 90s and early 2000s but i'm struggling because like part of me also just really wants to keep it just as it is like it's a pretty original survivor car it's original great color yeah and it's like oh it's like you you don't want to chop it up and i've got a couple other audis that are like that that i kind of feel the same way about like i've got um i've got a d11 uh, that I just picked up and you know part of me wants to just keep it as it is and just keep it as a basic driver and then the other part of me wants to take my S8 4.2 engine that I've got out of a parts car and put that in there with a manual trans and like you know and it's like and it depends what day it is it's like some days right. I'm like ah, I'll just keep it as it is and it's just a cool driver and then other days it's like no I want to go completely ham with it you know and it, it's one of those things like I, I have this Avant that I bought, it's a total basket case. And all of my, like all the guys here are like, dude, why'd you buy that car? Like you could have bought something nicer, right? Yeah. I was like, well, I wanna put a V8 D11 uh, wide body on it, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't wanna start with, with there only being 149, you know, you $220. Nice I didn't wanna start with a nice one. Yeah. I wanted to start with one that needed to be saved. Like this one, the whole front end has already been changed on it because it's probably been in an accident. Like this car was probably either going to get parted out or it was going to like, you know, get sold to someone else who would drive it, drove it into the ground or pull the motor out and stick the motor into something else. And, right, right. you know, I think sometimes as long as you start with something that isn't too nice, like it's kind of like, okay, I can, I can go do what I want with this car, you know, not yeah. Audi related. But I have a, I have a Jaguar E-type that I bought oh, no uh, a few years back. I bought it really cheap, but it's a real beater. It's really, really bad. And the only reason I bought it is because I want to do a resto mod Jag. And if I did that to like a nicer one, like people would just hate me for it. But like right, this right. one is like pretty close to being a parts car. And I, like there's some kind of fun in like saving a car. It's almost like, the, it's like I was saying that I kind of run like a rescue for Audis. <laughs> like I don't buy nice ones to start with. I usually buy pretty beat up ones. Like I just got a D2 S8 last year that was a impound car i bought out of the impound and uh it just got out of paint and like it's really nice now but like it was i bought it for 1200 bucks it was not nice when i bought it so so how many how many cars do you have right now and then how many out I, I didn't I, I don't think i'd ever heard about the e-type or is that gonna get you in trouble um i don't, don't want to yeah, you. I, I i think i occasionally if i do different podcasts i'll just mention different cars i have and see if anyone can do the math um all right then don't last me counted Last we counted, I had 23 cars. Um, but well, like some of them are kind of parts. Yeah, I know some of them are kind of parts cars, but like as my wife says, if that's a parts car, why are you driving it back and forth to work every day? Is your wife <laughs> cool with that stuff? Like I have I, my wife builds cars too. So she's yeah. got a 944. Yeah, I was gonna uh, ask you about that one too. <laughs> we're putting an 07K in. Yeah. yeah, we're putting an 07K in her 944. She's got a uh, the Boost Brothers swap. Hmm? The yeah, Boost Brothers yeah, swap, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they got a really nice package there. So, and then she's got a, she daily drives a D48L 4, uh, 4.0 twin turbo. That's a really nice car for, for what that is. Yeah. Um, and then she's got, an, she's got an old F100 pickup truck too. So, so she's got the sickness as well. And, you know, that's, so she, she kind of gets it. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, you got to justify you got to justify your projects, but yeah, I I think right now, I mean, I can do the quick count. Um CQ uh D2S8 uh D2S8 parts car uh D11 200 Avant 
200 of 200 sedan but it's a parts car it doesn't have an engine in it but whatever we'll semi count it that puts us at six i have an audi 4000 that's sitting in british columbia that i've never seen um my i'll count my wife's a uh a8 uh oh shit R rs2 <laughs> right right on the s2 what about so was I, love I almost those, forgot about my s2 so i have what about the tresser or was that the one without the oh engine? yeah and tresser so i have 11 i probably forgot one so yeah all right back to the jag quick and, and then we got to get off this because i gotta i gotta get through too much stuff uh yeah. have you ever seen do you know who posey is or have you ever heard of posey's like uh he's a hot rod builder dutch he's a hot oh, rod builder from yeah, yeah 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 have you seen his e-type no all right i'm just gonna share this quick and then you can google it Oh, I have seen this. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I have seen this. By the way, I'm putting. I'm right now. I'm considering running an inline five in my E-Type. Oh, that's awesome. So kind of keep it Audi. Yeah, know? that would be fantastic. I've got. I've got enough spare seven A parts to make like a 350 horsepower, like you know, turbo build. So yeah, which is like perfect for that car. So it'd be kind of fun. I people will hate me for it, but whatever. What if so. you like kept it in the in the greater family, but not Audi, and did like a W12? Or would that be too wide? I thought about that. I thought about that too. I've I've been through British. a lot of I've I've been through a lot of different kind of uh, iterations of that. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's weird because I feel like it it really should have an inline six in it. Yeah. Um, but I don't like BMW engines. I don't know why. I just I'm just not a BMW guy. I right. I like. I don't know why. I think it's just because of like people I knew who owned BMWs when I was younger. <laughs> they put a bad they put a bad imprint in me. But um. That being said, I like E30s and I like 8 Series and I like 2002s, right? But like, I don't really like like any of the modern stuff. So when you look at inline sixes, it's kind of difficult. You've got like the 1J, which is a great sounding motor, but I don't know if it really belongs in that car. Um, but I had considered doing a VR6 because it's kind of an inline, you know, it's close, it's a close, yeah. narrow V. Um, but yeah, I, but then when that came up, I was like, oh, I could do a W12. And then I went down like a really, really, really yeah. dark rabbit hole of w12 stuff so yeah i bet i was gonna put a w12 in my d2 s8 as well because apparently that's it all speaks to each other in there so i met a guy on a uh larry webster did like a a, a bunch of like friends driving like west virginia being mm -hmm. ridiculous I, I took my 964 down and went out and and there was a guy there from detroit i never caught his name but he had like a rear wheel drive like he had a 993 turbo i think it was like viper green that he, mm -hmm. he'd repainted and he pulled a, like it was rear wheel drive um, that he tuned. And then he, he was in the middle of building a, a Cayman, like a, an early Cayman W12. So wow. apparently that works too. Yeah, or, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's not, it's a wide engine, but it's not really that deep. So I guess it would fit well there. So I, I had dreams of building, like if you want to get into like just weird packages, I wanted to build a Vanagon. Yeah, with a PDK Porsche transmission setup with a V8 with an Audi 4.2 V8 behind it, because it's basically part. It's it's like it's basically like Volkswagen parts bin build. Would like it? all of it will bolt up together and work together. I mean, you'll probably have to run some you know ECUs to speak to each other, but right. Technically, all the parts will work. will mate in some level. Yeah. Oh, Legos. Yeah, those are great. All right. Um, so really quick, I because I, I got a, the other thing I wanted to check on for the magazine. We're going to do a story on Ken's car, too. Can I get a build list or whatever on that one? I know Ken walked through it in one of the videos. Yeah. So the um, so Ken's car is a Sport Quattro replica, um, you know, so it was built the same way that they build traditional Sport Quattros. Right. You got like half of a half of a 4000 and half of a coupe kind of kind of packaged together so that you've got the right, you know, you've got the right angle on the, the A pillar and so on and so on. Um, it has a, it's like the carbon Kevlar kit. LCE built the car originally. Most probably, most people probably in the Audi community know it as the Turbo Monster. It was originally red, but yeah. Ken really, really wanted a white car. So we bought the car, we flew it over. We bought the car, we flew it over um, from, uh, the from germany and then immediately got it into paint painted it and then brought it to sema like a week later so it was stripped the car all the way down it is also 
um, about it's about 750 horsepower. Um, it's also a 2.5 liter. My car's a actually like two six, but uh, this one's built differently. So mine is like punched and stroked. Uh, this one is actually running like a Euro van, uh, long, you know, tall block. So that's the setup they've got in this one. So cool. Um, but then, yeah, other than that, I mean, it's all, you know, it's all basically sport quattro bits. Um, it's running a one E six speed. Uh, right now it's got, you know, a case, you know, simple cage in it, some Recaro's, um, rear mounts, um, KW coilovers all around. Uh, it's, it's a really nice, nicely sorted car. Um, it's, uh, it's another car that like, it's kind of on that like list of like, you know, the, the reason, let me just take a step back. The reason we built a replica instead of a real sport quattro is because of what we were talking about before. Right. Right. It's like, you don't want to take a sport quattro and beat it. And yeah. like the reality is the way Ken drives, he may stick this into a snowbank at some point, right? And he's gonna wanna continue to modify it. And, you know, to get this to do the kind of driving Ken wants to do might mean that he eventually has to put a different transmission in it that's gonna require us to cut out the, you know, the tunnel. And like, those are all things you don't wanna do to a sport quad right. So it's like, we bought this, you know, because it was the look and the feel of a sport quattro but without the like purest element of like man like you, like why destroy that car if you don't need to right? yeah like you can get something else that looks the plus part. i mean no a sport quattro nowadays i don't know what a roachy would be if there even are any but like you're talking about a half million dollar car so it's, why it's put that arts it starts at a half million dollars yeah and, and the rally cars if they have any sort of history in them i mean it's ridiculous like the you know i was asking the guys at tradition and they were saying that like any of the sport quattros that had been raced by any of the drivers, right? So whether it was Hanu or, you know, Michelle or Walter, like all of those cars are 2.5 million plus, which is just crazy to think about. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm curious. We just, we just talked last week to, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, Jeff Beta uh, out of Brooklyn. He's, he's got like an Ur Quattro. He's got a replica and he just bought the car that Buffum had, which is a oh, like yeah, yeah. R27. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But that yeah, car. I've been, I've been following their project on Instagram. That, yeah. That right. Looks really cool. That looks that, really cool. I went up the day Buffum sold it to him. I never did the math though. Jeff was telling me like that car did Portugal with Michelle in 82 at mm-hmm. one. And then it comes over and did Pikes Peak 82. He won his class. And then I think he got at least one of his championships in it. So like that car's got legit provenance that like i don't know what he paid for it but it's great to see it stay in the u.s yeah it's it's super super cool we um when we were at tradition we got to see the first sport quattro that ran here in the u.s at olympus oh cool i was like man that's like super cool to see something in tradition in germany having like scca stickers on it (laughs) you know because it was like running in, in u.s rally it's like it's cool to see a lot of that stuff. And, you know, I, I talked to Timo at Tradition quite a bit and, you know, like they work really hard in trying to find those cars, right. And, you know, trying to keep them because sometimes they just either, they either disappear or they just kind of get neglected. And yeah. it's, it's a lot of effort that goes into, uh, into kind of like maintaining them. And I think for a while, like, you know, you always go through a period of time where people don't care about stuff, right. Like there's right. always a window that like it falls out of like, being currently cool or being old enough to be vintage cool and like that's when things kind of get destroyed or thrown out or you pull parts off of them for something else and you know there's a lot right. of cars out there that are like that so yeah well he still has an s2 up at his shop yeah. buffum does nice oh yeah Bu- buffum's great by the way he is uh, he is legit old school like in a very cool oh way. yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah i've i've worked with buffum a bunch in rally and like every time I see him, it's like the first time he met me again. <laughs> he's Brian just like, this? Yeah, he, he, he I'm, I will forever just be like some shitty little whippersnapper. Yeah. Him, I feel like, no matter what. But you know, the guy's done so much in the world of rally in America. You know, he can he can be the way he is. He's he's the guy. The, the dude knows more about tires than like you know an entire industry has forgotten. It's it's crazy right. the kind of tech and the stuff he knows and. Yeah, and, and you know it's, he's he's been a he's been a lot of fun to to be around and work around. So he's a cool guy. All right, so uh, we'll get more details, I guess, from you guys on uh, on Ken's car. So before we move on from that car, I got two questions. 
the wheels. Yep. Uh, you guys modeled those on the what the S one E two. Yep. So when I was traveling and we were at um, Tradition, there's a rack of all the wheels. So like you know, there's, yep. there's all this part of Tradition in, that people see, the and then there's like there's like layers and layers of hidden tradition. So like you you know, if you go visit Audi in Ingolstadt, you can go to the museum, right? Yeah. If you know somebody, you can get into tradition, right? Right. And, but then if you really know somebody, you can like really deep dive into like the storage area yep. and see know, the, a bunch of stuff. The shelves with like the R8LMP1 motors and the, oh, like, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. All, all that stuff's great. And while we were there, there was one of these wheels with the tire off and it was like hollow spoke and like all this oh, stuff. Cool. I just never knew about it. And I took a bunch of photos and I came back and uh sent the photos to brian henderson and jason whipple and i'm like can we make a wheel that looks like this and they were like well it already kind of looks like the roc which nah, is the nah. wheel that they are at. <laughs> and they were like but you know we can modify it to look more like this so some of the standout you know pieces on making the wheel like that was you know where the lugs are like the dog bowl had like this really really deep presence to it and it had like this rib around it that the was lip. kind of yeah and but the part about it that I liked the most was that the size of the wheel and a bunch of like random specs were just like engraved on the wheel. Yep. And it's such a like very functional option over fashion race car thing to do. Like, I don't know, just write the name on the wheel. Like everything we need to know, just put it on the front. Right. And yeah, there was something I just loved about it because it was the opposite of how people normally treat wheels. So, you know, obviously we put the, the Hoonigan Rotiform branding on it, but we also you know, actually put the sizing on it on both the wheels. And it was just kind of gave it a very different look because, you know, usually you don't see, the, that's usually what you put on the back of the wheel, right? But in motorsports, you don't care, right? You put it on the front. You can see it stands out a lot more on the on the gray wheel. So plus these are, these are much deeper because I'm running like a 315 versus Ken's, I think running like a 275. So right. yeah. And then it was just like all these like extra kind of like ridges and edges that the wheel had. It was the best way to explain it was that the wheel just had this like you know like uh, it, it's almost rudimentary in design like yeah it's five spokes it does its job like it doesn't look like anyone really like sat there and said i'm gonna make the most beautiful wheel possible but in turn kind of made to me what i think is like the coolest wheel and it's funny like i don't know if you know the designer uh kaisel or kaiza yeah like he's been putting this wheel on everything he renders recently. Oh, really? Because he's, like, he's like, this is my favorite wheel. I'm like, it's literally the wheel a child would draw. <laughs> well, <laughs> to be like, this is what a wheel looks like. It's got right. five spokes, but it works, you know? But the so. simplicity, and I find like in graphic design, I'm seeing a lot more of a kind of like label style, you know, yeah. like small yeah. font, hard to read, but like it just kind of adds to the richness of the design. Well, it's weird. I mean, that's like, you know, Virgil Abloff, like, that was a big style for him was to like write on something what it was you right. know like it's a label called the label right and it, it it seems so weird to do that but it, there's something kind of cool about it nah definitely i dig it yeah i mean honestly to me the wheels really kind of set the car apart i remember like when the kit first went on you know the car came back and it was sitting on my original wheels and obviously they were all sucked in and everything but um you know looking at it it was like it was like what it was like oh all right i don't know like the, the kit just felt too big and i actually was like man i don't i think when i made a mistake i kind of missed the narrow body and then the minute that we bolted the wheels on and you know put the toyo tires on we're like oh yeah this this yep. looks the part like it all just sort of kind of came together and it it gave it such a tough look like it really looks like a hill climb car because you know you, hill climb cars are all about as much traction as you can possibly put and that, that means running a tire that is you know almost to a point you know ridiculously wide it's, it's what you have right and that's kind of the bird right. cup cause and all of that so hey look it's it's uh james pumphrey and uh and jamie, uh, orr. jamie orr in the background just the people you see hanging out at the uh hoonigan yeah. yeah. days. um yeah these De dennis shot a couple while he was there so i forgot to grab from that i gotta nice. talk talk to the from guys and maybe we'll see if we can get a set of those for the sweep six car we're giving away we got like in our quattro that we're it's crazy because I actually didn't realize these wheels are for sale until yesterday. Because oh, yeah. 
because because uh, uh, Jason Whipple sent me a photo of the wheels being made in 19s, and I was like, "What are those for?" He's like, "A customer." I was like, "Wait, you can buy those?" He's like, "Yeah, they're on the store." I was like, "He's like, why would we make you a wheel you can't sell?" I'm like, Do you feel less exclusive? <laughs> I feel I feel way less special now. What are they going on? Do you know? Did he say? Um, I don't know actually. Uh, th- there's one project he told me about that I, I can't share, right. but uh, not an Audi, but it's a it's actually another well known. Uh, driver who's putting them on their car but uh yeah i was just a bit surprised to be like oh cool people are buying them that's rad so i guess <laughs> actually i was i was chatting with him and we were debating whether or not to put a set of wheels on we have this or quattro we're giving away on our sweepstakes just 20 valve 85 yep uh and it's at the moment i mean ronal's like perfect on those cars and the proportions are right and everything else so on one hand i'm off apprehensive on the other hand adding something to it might make sense and th- like I think he and I were both of the opinion. It's got to be something simple, something period correct and works. And this yep. one kind of does. It does. I, I will say the one thing is, and I, I Jason's going to kill me when I say this, because I don't know if they've got the, the forging for it, but if you can go 17, I think you should, or even if you can go 16, I, would, I feel like 18s are just too big. On, I asked him that. Agreed. So what did you put on Ken's? Were they eight? I think that we put in 18. We put in 18 because the brake kit that's currently okay. on the car is really big. But I think at some point in the future, I'd really like to see the car on 15s. To be quite okay. honest, the problem is, though, is that 15s are almost too small for like right. a good tire. But the 16 inch market is like non-existent for tires anymore. Like right. just kind of lost like good 16 inch tires um pirelli does a 15 for the Urquatro, so like i know i know that's why like the 15 may be a good one and there's also like because of muscle car fitments like you can still get a decent sized tire in a 15 right but to me i just think that those cars look best on a on like a 15 or a 16 yeah least. i think to, so. yeah to me for the right for an Urquatro, i mean something that's like when you do a body kit i mean the sport quattro is kind of doing it. it's funny how putting that car next to yours how even the sport quattro almost looks tame given the width of yeah uh, what's uh, crazy uh, is that my wheels look small right like right not small but i wanted 17s and they were like yeah we don't have forgings for 17s because of like supply demands right now you know but what i didn't realize was that the guys at priors re redrew the arch to fit so it's a bigger big. arch yeah so it's it's uh... kind of like i was like my 911 is my 911's radius Right. So my 911 looks impossibly low, but yet still, you know, doesn't tuck rim, right? Like you still see tire. Right. And it's because we lifted the fenders, you know, like two inches on the car. So, you know, it has that touring car look where the car lowers, but the arch goes up. Right. You don't look like slammed. It looks like it fits right, you know, and while the car's low, it gives it that, it gives that aesthetic because I can't stand cars where you can't see the tires. So it's just a, it's just a weird, it's it, a weird thing. Is it terrible that I like, I, is it terrible that you think that? Cause I think that too. And I get Larry's every I go to like white show. It no, doesn't it's, happen it's, anymore. It's but when I go old, <laughs> maybe old. so. <laughs> well, like I, old, the, the I got guys lemon. here who literally drive their wheels like into their rims and burn through their fenders. And that's cool. And I, 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 I'm old. I'm old. My, my rabbit, every time I post it, people are like, when are you going to lower it? I'm like, what are you talking no. about? It's already lowered. Yeah, Toronto <laughs> Steelies, it's perfect. But but um, yeah. but um, no, it's mechanical empathy. I, I don't want to say it's age. I say this is a guy with a Santa beard, but like, it can't be, it can't just be age. Like mechanical empathy. Every time I see the, like the rusting out vendors and like, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's, maybe you don't have that problem in California. <laughs> no, but I like, for me, it's more just like an aesthetic thing. Like it just, once something looks not functional, I'm not into it anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. So like the crazy camber cars, like I, I don't, I don't care. Like if you want to build a car with camber, like good for you, man. If that makes you happy. Awesome. But to me, it just doesn't look functional. Right. right. Like I had cars that low. I mean, my, you know, my Volkswagen Golf was really low when I was younger and it's like it made the car like impossible to drive like i ended up driving you're always driving it slow because you're like worried about potholes where like you raise it up just a little bit and like i remember because there were those guys who used to say that to me when i was like 22 and i'm like whatever old man and now i'm that old man you know it's like i mean my my rs2 is pretty low and like i'm like "Ah, i gotta raise it up and like that's when you know you're old when you're when it's it's one thing when you're like i'm not gonna lower it too much but when you actually start lifting it back up is a problem yeah see there you go 
Well, like so that, that is the limit of how low it should be. And did you the, raise it, or is that how you bought it? That's how I bought it, and that was Brian's those are Brian. Those are Brian Henderson's old wheels, but the car belonged to somebody else. Uh, right. Name, forget, but Brian had bought this car. And then decided he didn't want it, and it was sitting at JP's in uh, in Germany. And uh, I was uh, I it, I was one of those things where I wasn't gonna not buy it. It was right. he, he gave me a good deal. I'm also not a huge fan of poked faces. This car yeah. has poked faces on it, but I do really like that phone dial. So at some point, um, when Jason Whipple's got some extra time, I'm gonna make him uh, I'm gonna make him re. Uh, Re, re, repackage that and uh, rebuild those lifts for me because I actually I like the phone dial on the RS I think as long as you have like a Porsche look wheel but I've also right. sported some original stock uh, cups for it because there's something about the RS2 just looks really good on cups you know I right. bought this and I also bought an S2 okay. and my plan to keep this one pretty much 100% stock I'm gonna do like a slight um, turbo upgrade just like just having the stock turbo rebuilt um, with like a little bit of a little extra on it. And then I'm going to sort out the wheels on it and then pretty much just keep that exactly as is. But then the S2, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with. So, so, so the wheel isn't too great because I've already got obviously the coupe, but yeah, we got, you got to have one. I, I bought two of the same car. You know what that's like to explain to your wife? <laughs> I like literally was like, I bought an S2 Avant and I bought an RS2. And they came back on the same ship. Five days. And that's what I came home with. And they came back on the same ship. They came home on the same ship. Yeah. Fortunately, not the Felicity Ace. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not the Felicity Ace. Trust me, that the funny thing is, is because the our cars came back on a Volkswagen ship. Yeah. Via Jamie. So like, yeah. Through, through Jamie. So like it could have very well have been the Felicity Ace. So like when I saw that, it wasn't funny to me. Okay, so this conversation went long, so I'm cutting it off here, and we're going to run it in two parts. Wah, wah, sorry about that. But um, it's a great conversation. It goes on through, like, Felicity Ace and fires on, you know, car transport chips in the Mid-Atlantic to YouTube and the art of making a channel or making content on YouTube versus what the algorithm likes. And, 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 and. Love Brian. Love talking to him. So we're going to run that in a second episode in another week. So thanks for stopping and see you in a week for the rest of this conversation.